Welcome to In-Depth Studies Weekend. In-Depth Studies is the teaching ministry of Jeff Volker, which seeks to equip the believer with a theological foundation. All teaching is from the point of view of the doctrines of grace and new covenant theology. Thanks again for joining us. I'm Paul Honeycutt, your host, joined as always by Jeff Volker, Director of In-Depth Studies. And Jeff, this week we get to talk about money. We're going to talk about tithing, and that's a, I think that's a, probably one of the most confused and confusing uh, issues that I think we run into in the, you know, the, the greater church, so to speak. How do we deal with the whole idea of tithing, a tenth? What am I supposed to give, and what do I get to keep? Yeah, because we're adri- we are coming into this study actually um, addressing how the old relates to the new, which is we're giving a really a course in New Covenant theology, and we are p- specifically addressing the issue of law. That is, there's two different versions of law. Uh, the, old, uh, the Old Covenant era version called the Mosaic Law, of which the Ten Commandments is a summary of, and the New Covenant era version of law, which is called the Law of Christ, and love as Jesus loved is the summary of that. And, but this issue of uh, giving is a, a kind of a hot button. We know people can get a little irate about this, but I figure that when we're done with this program, we will take an offering. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought, yeah. Oh, let's begin. Let's go to the Mosaic Law. Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse, verse 22 to the end which would be verse 29. And here is the Mosaic Law uh, uh, on the issue of tithe, or the tenth, which is 10% of your income. It says, Be sure to set aside a tenth of all that your fields produce each year. Eat the tithe of your grain, new wine and oil, and the firstborn of your herds and flocks in the presence of the Lord your God at the place he will choose as a dwelling place for his name, so that you may learn to revere the Lord your God always. But if that place is too distant and you have been blessed by the Lord your God and cannot carry your tithe because the place where the Lord will choose to put his name is so far away, then exchange your tithe for silver and take the silver with you and go to the place the Lord your God will choose. Use the silver to buy whatever you like, cattle, sheep, wine, or other fermented drink or anything you wish. Then you and your household shall eat there in the presence of the Lord your God and rejoice. And do not neglect the Levites living in your towns, for they have no allotment or inheritance of their own. At the end of every three years, bring all the tithes of that year's produce and store it in your towns, so that the Levites, who have no allotment or inheritance of their own, and the aliens, the fatherless, and the widows who live in your towns may come and eat and be satisfied so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. Now, this, this really says uh, quite a bit, but it's, uh, we, we're discussing the issue of how does God's law handle giving, okay? And nobody would dispute, we clearly would not dispute, that under the Mosaic law in the Old Covenant era, there is the issue of the tithe, the tenth, the ten percent. Now, there is dispute, uh, over are there a series of of tithes that are required of the Israelites so that I, I know uh, so someone once add them up and said I think it's more of over 22 percent when all was said and done we're really not going to dispute that or even get into that discussion for our purpose 
we just want to be very clear that the Mosaic Law requires that everyone give a tenth of all their produce, all their stuff belongs to the Lord. Now, we should say just a c- couple things. One is, is that when they give this stuff, they're supposed to take it to Jerusalem, because that's where the, the Lord's name is to be revered. Mm-hmm. That's where the sacrifices were to be done, because that's where the tabernacle is going to end up, and then the temple, etc. But it's noticed that when they come, of, of all that they give, that, that they actually eat before the Lord. So they eat part of their tithe, they party, as it were, mm-hmm. and then they give the rest. Uh, that's something we seldom hear about today, but that is clearly part of the Mosaic Law. And then it describes, beginning at verse 28, which we read, that at the end of every three years, it seems you're to bring all your ties to the central to your of your town to support the Levites, the tribe of Levi, who in the allocation of land, when Joshua conquered the promised land, all the tribes got a portion of land uh, for their people, all except the tribe of Levi, because their responsibility was to care for the tabernacle and the sacrifices, the priesthood, and everything else. So they were not given these large chunks of land. They were given some towns in each of the the other uh, tribes' land, but they weren't given this huge chunk of land. And so they were supported by the tithes. And seems, at least in this context, every three years they would collect up a bunch of stuff, and that would go to the support of the Levites. So that seems to be the way it is here. And it's it's not very tricky. Uh, It's what we would call, for lack of any other term, a holy tax. (laughs) It was. It was like like an income tax. This was, has nothing to do with Israelites loving the Lord. It was, this is simply what the law required. Okay? So you have that. So keep that in mind. Now turn to the last book of the Old Testament. When we say that, just to be correct, we will say it's the last book of the Bible in an, in an English Bible. Because if you have a Hebrew uh, an Old Testament written in Hebrew, it's not the last book. Mm. But in our English Bibles, it is Malachi. Or, upon further investigation, we've n- noted that Malachi could be that great Italian prophet, Malachi. And the Lord tipped his hat to the Italians and gave him a prophet. I don't think so, but it makes for good copy nonetheless. In Malachi chapter 3, Uh, God is addressing Israel regarding their sin. And in the midst of this discussion, they address the issue of tithing. So let's read this. Malachi chapter 3, beginning at verse 6. Malachi says this. He's quoting the Lord. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, O descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Now, just before we go on, note that he's saying is they have always been in rebellion because Israel is a temporary, unbelieving picture of the people of God. They've always been unbelieving. Yes, there's a remnant of real believers within Israel, but they don't count. But this kind of a statement, this summary evaluation of Israel, it's always that way every time from Exodus all the way through the Old Testament, through the New Testament, Israel is viewed as unbelieving. So he says this, return to me, 
and I will return to you, says the Lord. But you ask, how are we to return? How are we to show that we really want to follow you? Verse 8 says, will a man rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Now, this is pretty pretty strong stuff. I've heard similar language on some uh, TV stations, certain Christian programming. I've oh, heard yeah. this, kind of, uh, this kind of theology. You, oh. s- you send me some money, God's going to bless you. Yeah, and, and in particular, yeah, this is very true because this is very clear that if they don't tithe, God curses them. Right. This is judgment. And in order to show their faith, which is kind yes. of what he's talking about here, you've got to tithe. You've got to send money. Right. And now, and and then you have other evangelical churches. What they will do, they they will use this idea of the storehouse. Mm. Was well, of course, in this context, that's a tabernacle temple. Well, of course, they're no more. So what they say is now the local church is the storehouse. So you're to give all your giving to the local church. It's a great. Uh, marketing idea for for the pastors who want to always make the budget. Mm-hmm. This is the idea, but this has nothing to do with that. I mean, in the context, this is Israel under the old covenant mosaic law. He's talking about you bring your ties, as it says in Deuteronomy, you bring him into Jerusalem to the tabernacle and the temple, and that's where God puts His name. That's where He wants you to bring the stuff because that's mm-hmm. where the sacrificing takes place. So you have, uh, you want to be clear about what exactly is going on. This is Mosaic Law. He's speaking to Israel, who are not a real people of God, because if they were, he wouldn't be talking in terms of cursing. Because remember, Jesus on the cross, he satisfied the wrath of the Father on behalf of all those who are going to believe. Mm-hmm. And so, we, so Jesus was cursed on our behalf. So we are never to be cursed. And so that idea tells you that this is, this is, this is talking about Israel as un- the unbelieving picture of the people of God. Right. So that's what's really going on. And it is true that in the Old Covenant era, we see this, at the, especially at the tail end of Deuteronomy, that whenever Israel obeyed outwardly, God blessed them physically. Mm-hmm. Gave them, you know, he gave them fruit, babies, guns, goats. He gave them all of that stuff. Well, that's all part of the Old Covenant and the Mosaic Law. So that's the issue of tithe. So for us, if we want to ask now, okay, we live this side of Pentecost Mm -hmm. in the New Covenant era. We're under a different version of God's law called the Law of Christ. Well, what does that law have to say? And And the place where we would begin would be 2 Corinthians Chapter 9, because chapters 8 and 9 of 2 Corinthians would be the primary place we would go to in the teaching passages of the New Covenant era that talk about the believer and giving. 
and the climactic verse uh, about giving under the law of Christ is verse 7. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I mean, there's no way you can miss the fact that the tithe under the Mosaic law with Israel was compulsion. And, but in the New Covenant era, under the law of Christ, God's law regarding giving changes. Once again, God doesn't change, but his law does change. So now, whereas he once required the tenth, the tithe, now he doesn't. Now he's talking about, now he's talking to the real people of God who've had changed hearts. They're now God lovers because the Spirit of God is transforming them. Now they have this desire to live for their Lord because they love him. So now he says each man, each believer, should decide in his own heart what to give because you're not forced to give anything. This is really, uh, this is really important because this, but this raises a very practical question. This is what a lot of pastors raise the question. But if I just said this, would people give? I mean, there's no doubt about it that the tithe is like squeezing blood out of the turnip. It puts pressure. It's 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 guilt. It's motivating people negatively, but nonetheless, you get something. Mm-hmm. You're squeezing this person to open their wallet and throw in some cash. And there's no denial that the tithe does work to bring about a cash flow, but it does it for the wrong reason. Yeah, because you're compelling them. Right. We're not to be under compulsion. Yeah. And we see an illustration of this. In the book of Acts, this uh, law of Christ regarding giving, working out in real life, and this is that famous account of Ananias and Sapphira, Mm -hmm. and where you had these couple. Well, let me read it, because this is really fascinating. Acts chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. Now, a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. Remember, the context is there's great... great need in, in the church of Jerusalem. People were just giving other stuff to help others. Barnabas, at the end of chapter 4, had a piece of property which he owned. He sold it and laid the money at the apostles' feet. That's all we know. So Ananias and Sapphira must have seen this and, and how the, the church responded to Barnabas. They viewed him highly because of this. So, so what they did is they also sold a piece of property. But verse 2 says, with his wife's full knowledge, He kept back part of the money for himself, but he brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Now, notice these next series of questions. Didn't it belong to you before it was sold, meaning you were not compelled by God's law to sell your property? There was no obligation to, to, to give. We know in the Old Covenant Mosaic Law, Israel was obligated to give a tenth of all of their stuff you know, to the Lord. Then he says, and after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? So even when you sold it, you were not obligated to give the money to the church. There's no concept of the church as the storehouse of Malachi 3. No, not at all. Then he says, what made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to men but to God. And then, of course, God, 
Peter, you know, says that God is bringing judgment, and Ananias is is killed, and then his wife is killed. Sapphira is killed. Okay, but they were killed for lying. They were not killed for giving improperly. They were killed for lying. Mm -hmm. This is where, this is fascinating to think about, this whole idea about giving. Because we say, because if your church has a great amount of false professions in it, this is obviously not going, this new covenant law of Christ teaching on giving is not going to cause your coffers to overflow with cash. Absolutely true. Absolutely true. I remember um, the idea of, you know, how when our particular church, of course, we have a box in the back. And people, if you're visiting, you you don't even know it's there because it's not for you. But the those who are part of our fellowship, they they know what's there. They seek it out. They plan their giving, and they give it. And nobody really knows what's going on. But I remember being in a, in a, a larger church where uh, you have the time for the offering. Mm. And the plate or little bag, you know, blue chiffon bag is passed. Right. And when that bag's coming down your row, uh, the pressure builds to throw something in it. We, we would call it in ecclesiastical circles the loose change offering. <laughs> and and you don't want to do away with that because it's people giving out of guilt just because they know other people are watching. Mm-hmm. I got to throw something in, and it's it's sort of a guilt offering. And but I'll, it, I'll confess to you, I have been in churches many many years ago where that form of offering was taken, mm-hmm. and I've I've watched people pretend to put something in and actually not, ah. <laughs> which, which astounded me, but still. But I, I've seen it in myself in those settings. There is tremendous pressure yeah. Oh, yeah. on you to do something because here comes the bag. Mm. Or it's where the guy has maybe a basket on, at the end of a long pole and he's holding it in front of you. you know, that's another way of doing it. And, of mm. course, it's coming right in front of you. You've got to put something in the thing. Right. But it misses the whole point. Giving in the New Covenant era is to be something between you and the Lord. You decide in your own heart what to give because the Lord loves a cheerful giver. He doesn't want you to give under compulsion. So this is where law has changed. God doesn't change, but the law has changed. The Old Covenant era version of God's law, the Mosaic law, that has the tithe. Mm -hmm. The New Covenant era version of God's law regarding giving is what we call love gifts. That is, you give because you want to give. It's between you and the Lord. I cannot tell you what to give because sometimes people will say, uh, well, 10% is the starting point. Mm. No, that doesn't say that Mm. because any compulsion is compulsion. It's not that. Or they will say, I know what 2 Corinthians 9 says, but it's assuming already the tithe. So in the New Covenant era, things are better. So we start with the tithe, and then we go beyond the tithe, and that's what 2 Corinthians 9 is all about. And no, it's not at all. Because the whole idea of this is what we see this acting out in Acts 5. Peter is telling Ananias, Ananias, you are not obligated to, uh, to give any of that money to the church once you've sold that piece of property. You are free to do whatever you want. And of course, we know that this works as far as well, this method of giving in the new covenant era does it work only if you have a new heart you are a god lover 
Because if you, if you are a God lover, you really care. The, Lord's, the Holy Spirit is working in you to be generous. And so you respond, you care for needs, and then you give, but it's a personal thing. I cannot tell you how to, how to deal with your stuff because I have to wrestle with my own stuff. That is a healthy thing, a healthy wrestling that each believer goes through. We don't want to rob that of people. So the Malachi 3 thing of robbing God it doesn't apply. That's Old Covenant Mosaic Law. We're no longer under that. That was for an unbelieving picture of the people of God, Israel. We're under the law of Christ in the New Covenant era. Yeah, it all comes down to the heart. It comes down to the motive. It, it's, yes. If you really do love, love God, as you said, you will give cheerfully. Yes. Because this is your Lord. In fact, in that passage, it says that... Uh, uh, in Second Corinthians nine at uh, verse eight, it says, "And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work." It's the idea of furthering the kingdom, of doing His work. What we talked about last week, loving our neighbors and our enemies. Really, it's it's that that whole idea that comes from the heart. Yes, it's not a it's not a formula. No. It's it, not a 999. <laughs> yeah, it's not a holy tax yeah. that that if you were a believer like David in Israel, you had to pay the tithes mm-hmm. because that's how you showed your love for God to, by keeping his commandments. You just happened to live in an era where you lived under a different set of commandments, particularly with regard to giving. Mm-hmm. So this is this is where we've come in 6 months. We have done this broad series on new covenant theology. How does the old relate to the new? And we think this is absolutely crucial for the believer to understand this. Because as you read through, particularly you read through the New Testament and the Old, it assumes that you know this. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you end up really just distorting lots of Scripture, and we don't want you to do that. And so we've dealt with the issue that you have this Old Covenant era, New Covenant era. Old Covenant era is a picture. New Covenant era is, is fulfillment. Israel, they're called the people of God, but they are only a temporary, unbelieving picture of the people of God. The church is the real people of God. They are given his law. Israel was a, is under a different version of God's law than we are under. It is the Mosaic law, summarized by the Ten Commandments. We who live this side of Pentecost in the New, in the new Covenant era are under the law of Christ, which is a unique version of God's law that's uniquely suited for what he wants to accomplish in this era. And it's crucial that we learn how to distinguish that. So we would say that the Mosaic law has come to an end at the end of the Old Covenant era, and it is no more. In the New Covenant era, it may repeat aspects of the Mosaic law, but if it repeats them now, they are we keep them because they are part of the law of Christ, not because they were part of the Mosaic law, because that version of God's law doesn't apply to us. And so this is a crucial area to understand, at least in from my experience, it seems to be an area where believers are very confused in how they understand this. And I'm just thinking of in Hebrews, which quotes Jeremiah 31, where it talks about placing the law on the hearts of the believer through the Spirit, obviously, the Holy Spirit, that we are able to clearly understand, if we if we go to the Word, what we're to do and we're motivated to want to do. 
Yeah, because well, in in that instance, we know we've we talked about that in the past, where he's addressing the issue of motivation. Right. That in the old covenant era, the people of God, Israel, who were unbelievers, were motivated externally by the Mosaic law to live for their God, and of course, we know that that only caused them to sin all the more. Mm-hmm. Whereas we now the law, the real people of God, he says, he puts the law in the heart. We are now motivated inwardly by the Holy Spirit to live for our Lord. But the way we show that we want to live for our Lord is to keep his commandments. And then we have to distinguish what are his commandments for us today, which is why this whole subject of law is so important. We've got to know what is law today. Otherwise, we end up, you know, confronting a fellow believer over their lack of tithing. Mm Mm-hmm as though they are in sin, when mm-hmm. they're not in sin. That is not breaking God's law today. It was before Pentecost, but it's not now. Right. Or like Sunday, is Sunday a holy day? Is it a, uh, you know, is it a special day for the Lord set aside for worship? Mm-hmm. You know, well, it was a holy day in the Old Covenant era, but not today. And so we're back to this again. So if I see my neighbor watching a football game who's a fellow believer, I, I don't come and I, you know, accuse him of breaking God's law because that is no law for today because there are no holy days in the New Covenant era. So this whole subject is so crucial, and it's why we took the time to walk through what is New Covenant theology. Good, good stuff. Thanks a lot for joining us. If you have any questions about today's program, want more information, or would like to support our ministry, you can find us on the web at ids.org or call us at 480-924-4290 or email jeff at jeff.volker at ids.org. 